0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app, the sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store.
1: This is Mike Edison, host of Art
2: Senses, and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about
3: food. About music
4: Welcome to Tunes, Strange names coming on live in the studio. Uh, post, Darren Bresnitz' West Coast move.
1: Hi everyone. I'm Darren Bresnitz.
4: Yeah, joined by the ever gracious Jordana Rothman, co-host extraordinaire. I pop in every now and then. Yeah, it's a pop in. We're gonna we're gonna try on a couple hats. Darren will be here this summer though. Yeah. Later on.
1: Speaking of hats, I'm just super uncomfortable with the headphones on. I'm just. You don't um, have to wear them. I've, I don't have a head made for radio.
4: There's a. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of noise going on at reverse today. They've really expanded that event space back there, uh, so it's it's a it's a it's a vibrant Sunday, if you will.
1: It is. It's solstice.
4: Um, but before we get to that band, Andrew Romano, welcome, welcome, thank to you, the, welcome. thank you very much. I'm really I see excited. you've got a
5: cold one in the hand already. I do. I, it's a Sunday's my day to just get blazo. So really,
4: what do you like to like? What's the first uh, What's the first sip? Where do you start? Cold brew. Cold brew. Okay. Core, yeah. Oh, to, to really get the energy up and then and then battle it back down. And then go back down. It's a oh, okay. cycle I like to Tamp it down. Tamp like it down. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Do mm-hmm.
1: they tamp cold co- brew, though? No, but no. I mean, it's still I mean, coffee pun. so I, just, but def- I think we enough, can all yeah. agree that but, it counts. <laughs> but it's a
4: food show, so you would know the difference if you tamp down. Co- I'm
1: representing Darren Bresnitz today, and oh, yeah, a lot the of puns. pun king, king. Oh, yeah. so I well think done. I did a pretty good job, all things considered.
4: Yeah, just don't be a drip.
1: <laughs> oh, Fantastic
4: uh, Angela, it's good to see you Likewise Last time I saw you It was on the Sussman's roof And you were uh, grilling ramps um, As the barbecue went out Yes Then you just kind of left them there And then I you actually left, left them on the grill Then and you left. left
5: them on the grill And then you just left I also left a really red All-clad pan that Eli swears Is not at that house That I know I don't know I checked those boys it's somewhere. Hiding out There's Hiding something. out. I know it's there
4: Yeah well, they're not there in the summer, so you can just we can just go break in afterwards. B Even if they were to listen to this episode now and get into their car right now, there's no way they'd beat traffic. No. By the time we finish the show,
5: packed up and got there, certainly
1: I've, not on a Sunday. Not I've, on a Sunday. I've driven with From Max Manta. before.
5: It's not it's not a speedy venture. Oh, I actually conscious. went out to
1: visit the Sussmans at their at their uh, at Rush Myers.
5: How was it? Fun.
1: It was a lot of fun. We went on uh, in the middle of the week, and uh, Eli said that they get like a thousand. People lined up outside the restaurant on Friday and Saturday nights, which doesn't surprise me. But it seems like
4: then there's six on Tuesday. Quite, <laughs> yeah. quite the undertaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So we were there on like a Tuesday.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's uh let's talk about the elephant in the room: Murray Hill. <laughs> 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 which Jordana wanted to get a little pre-interview role Then,
5: like, why Mary Hill?
1: Yeah, so how did you I, end up in Mary Hill? Tell yeah. us about it
5: it's, uh, well, we, I had an opportunity to get the space um, like four years ago Rocky Slim's Rocky Slim's, um, which was an old pizzeria, Mike's Pizza um, We just didn't really take the space right away with the investor I was using Because I was already doing, uh, it was actually while I was doing the Pines project And pizza wasn't anything I ever really was interested in it's also hard as shit to make 200 pizzas in a day. It's an art form that is like, you know, you're cooking something in eight to a thousand degrees in two minutes, the variable for execution and consistency is so skewed every single one that it's a ballsy ass thing and I don't think it really gets enough respect. So I was really more scared shitless to take it on. As far as margins go, it's like a bagel or a donut shop, you know? the profitability is much higher than any other type of food. I mean, it's insane. Right. It's a it's, uh, New York tap water. What's well, the, uh, the what's the
1: oven like over there? There's
5: two. There's yeah. one that we had built in Rhode Island, classic like, you know, classic Italian-style pizza oven. Can you
4: shout out who built it?
5: I don't remember who built it, actually. Okay. No. Everyone,
4: usually there's always like yeah, no, guy. I like, know. it was a grandpa who came up from Sicily, and he was a, a passed down by hand. You're like, it was no, George. It was like, and, yeah. yeah, who knows? He was like an
5: old, <laughs> he, was a, he was an investment banker, and he cashed out and started making pizza oven type shit. Probably, I'm not really sure. That but. sounds.
4: That literally sounds like a PR like gold mine wing to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's like that's the
5: Poly G story, right? It, yeah, he used to make
4: them in his backyard. <laughs> but his, well, it's a he was sadness, doesn't it?
1: Well, let's let joy be the oh, okay. guiding so, yeah. emotion here. We're just saw
4: inside out, and we're, <laughs> like, uh, we're we're a confluence of emotion here. Yeah,
1: Greg and I were crying in a theater full of children on Father's Day. It was delightful. Yeah, we, oh. we
4: walked into like the yeah. 150 court, <laughs> screen and be like, "Oh yeah, there's a lot of kids here." We got very front
5: row. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> So that, so uh, a guy cashed out, built you an oven. Built an oven. We also have a deck oven in the back. So we have we do two. We actually do. Part of the process that I, I was a little scared of was that we needed to find a dough that we could bring to a proper hydration and level of, you know, build up with the gluten to stretch to twenty two inches, like classic New York style slice, and also stretch to 10 inches and cook in 400 degrees hotter. So, so
4: you don't have two different types of...
5: No, huh. that's why it took so long. That's so, a really
4: interesting challenge. We, you would think we created just-
5: one mother dough that has the same natural leaven that we also use for sourdough minus the 0.03% yeast resin. But there's
1: so much adjustment point. on the daily, right? I mean, it's, it's such wh- a sensitive thing, like humidity and...
5: This, I mean, the season right now is literally creating the biggest nightmare of of a situation in the What world. is like, it's like,
4: what is your ideal pizza making scenario? Like give me a temperature, give me a, a weather pattern. I mean,
5: I had something, so I had two different ideas in my head. Ruby Rosa, hands down for better or worse is one of my favorite pizzas. And yeah, I love it. I, love I think it's just too. incredibly unique and rad and has a familiarity of like Tostino's party pizza to me.
1: It splits the difference between a lot of different pizza styles, yeah. making it the alpha pizza.
5: And it's interesting enough to where you can go and think that the pizza is obnoxiously large with two or three people and sit and have you know two to 20 bottles of wine and it's still just as good three hours into them it's just i don't know it was something that i was really impressed by but then i've also been really impressed by like the old school pizza hut when they used to bake cast iron style oh yeah so i had those are like my two obsessions for almost a year realizing that you can't put anything other than almost like you know, commercial-grade steel into a 1,000-degree oven. Right. Hence, Detroit Pizza used, like, you know, they used to use old machinery parts and, like, bake it in, like, really thick-gauge steel that was meant to be fired at high temperatures. You can't buy that very easily in production. So we were putting kind of, like, quarter sheet trays in with aluminum and lowering the temperature of the oven above, like, you know, right to where they suggested you bring it to.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: It wasn't really the same. The Ruby Rosa pizza's hard as shit because they sheet everything so they almost like a, from what I know is that they dough sheet it mm-hmm. Treat it almost like a, like a croissant yeah like a pastry sheeter. wow to get it to that level other than that I mean there's no way to stretch it like that in that perfect circle to that wait thickness. is this
1: like you know this or is this like you're I, planting a rumor it
5: has to be there's no way <laughs> I, mean, I haven't I haven't seen the guy do it but I've mm-hmm. had the pizza enough to where it's it's the the uniform nature of the dough is just it's exact all the yeah. way through I mean you can't Unless the person's doing it for, you know, five years, it's like a bread shaper. Like they're they're perfectly thick. Either way, I couldn't get either one of those results. So, (laughs) and I had you know I had my friend Aaron Tabor who came in who was the chef at Grindhouse, Mm -hmm. who was like you know, it's amazing what friends do in situations where you're all in the same industry, but you still always kind of you almost they they compensate for your lack of knowledge, and I think that's what makes you a better. You know you can't really you don't have the time to learn new crafts so mm-hmm. he came in and started helping me and it's you know one of the between him and Pam Young probably two of the best bakers in like this yeah. type of Pam industry Pam Young right from Smiya. Yeah. yeah she's
1: amazing her
5: stuff is I mean it's bananas it's yeah. ridiculously good the bread here is Roberto's is phenomenal too.
1: Do you think that that idea of kind of being willing to develop as a as a chef and kind of realizing the places that you need to bring in assist. Like does that come with age or is that something that's like an inborn
5: I think s- I mean self it's, awareness? Unfortunately part of the the big part of the job is managing and and fine tuning. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two key points in making really really amazing restaurants consistent all the time and also in theory you want it to always be like this, you know? And to keep it Consistently awesome day in and day out like this in this type of volume of Roberta's right now is must be one of the most you know challenging stressful situations in the. I mean, you're... they
4: put in that second oven back there, yeah. and, and that was like the first summer they're really yeah. turning it out in the. But
5: back. you think about food that's really respected. It's either very personal, done by the person themselves. That's you know, chef owner loves what they do and does it in repetition every day, or. Someone or two that. Seats, like, yeah, bread, exactly. Just like
4: one or two turns, maybe. Right. But maybe. this
5: is like, you know, Marachi's kind of like, Carl is trusting probably the 40 people here right now that are cooking food and making it really, really well. And like, to, I mean, from the saloon, the charcuterie program here and the bread, it's just. So Those was the same thing. For us, it was, I had to have somebody that I could bring in that I trusted that would make up for my lack of knowledge and be mm-hmm. willing to teach me in there as that person. So. Let,
4: let's talk about your local meat program. Yes. Which is uh, wonderful and, and fantastic. How do you, you know, from the wide plethora of different types of meats that you, I mean, you put on a menu? How did you pick
5: something and narrow it down to something that spoke to your restaurant? For <laughs> for for now, the the protein, the meat selection, along with the seafood, is. I've realized one thing about the neighborhood. Well, I've realized a lot, but the key <laughs> the key thing is that it's a a neighborhood of very well, you know, traveled, educated. You know, it's, a, it's New York. It's you know, it has it has its highly opinionated locals, and it has its you know people that have just moved in. But the love and I I never realized how spoiled I was living and working in Brooklyn for so long until I actually opened in that neighborhood and realized like I put Faro on the menu for lunch in those you know realm of trying to replicate. I love what Dimes does. I think it's like a you know i think it's over lra like that style of food where you, you're not going to feel weird and lethargic the whole day and you could have right. something that's clean and you know represents what the people that own the place want to eat and we put these dishes on the which i in my opinion were slightly not adventurous but even a little dated and the the food knowledge in the neighborhood hasn't really gotten there yet so you know, we had people coming in what's faro, what's so prasata, like things that to my mind were self-explanatory and kind of you know easy and noticeable and it's just not for whatever reason that part of the city hasn't hit I mean have you I had friends who moved there and we would tr- I remember
4: trying to find restaurants there and you just it's like a it's like a time that food forgot
5: it's a and <laughs> it's a time that a lot of it's a time that the value forgot too because you know you can drink in that neighborhood there's bar advertisements up and down the street that are remarkable I mean it's like it's like the late 90s and
1: yeah I actually went I was walking around first of all I was walking around the neighborhood a few months ago and um saw your restaurant on the corner there and thought, oh, God, that's where this is. Like, I didn't even...
5: <laughs> I think that I was like, no, I was Actually, to be totally honest with you, I
1: thought, oh, that's so weird. You know, there's a restaurant that shares the name with Angela Romano's restaurant <laughs> <laughs> That's here
4: because, you know, no, I didn't... Like, like, it couldn't possibly be that. It's yeah, like, did you so know about this place? I had, right,
1: I had that moment, but then I also, I did actually happen to, have you been to Rolf's, that crazy Christmas bar? And
5: I mean, uh, I've been there, yeah.
1: Okay. I think that place is dope, as fuck. I really like that place. I like happened across it and I went inside and it was, you know, summer and um, I, there was like an old man that was waltzing and I just thought that was such a time warp and so phenomenal and I lo- I really loved it in there. And plus there's a screen grab of um, Bowie doing uh, uh, In the Blue Suit. Give me the song. He's in the Blue Suit. It's a classic, it's you know. It's way out it? of
5: my music reference. Wow, said, like, yeah, a Nellyville song. I probably take a look at it. the
1: lawman beating up the wrong guy. Okay, nope,
5: got nothing. Anyway,
1: <laughs> so I like that bar a lot. So I'm going to come back to the neighborhood to go there and eat <laughs> well, at Rocky Slim.
4: Yeah, a lot to
5: me. I mean those prices should help you with your like Sunday goal of uh, of tying one on. Well, the thing that's funny is that during the day we've realized Saturday and Sunday, what you would relatively think is a busier daytime foot traffic days where people really just kind of want to get out of that neighborhood right now yeah. because there isn't really anything to do other than, I mean, look, if you want to watch a pay-per-view event, you go to like you go to Murray Hill. That's the spot. Yeah, that's yeah. the spot. You want to watch like the UFC fight and not a super crowded bar in Midtown, crush yeah. it in Murray Hill. But
1: So do you do do you adapt to the neighborhood? What do you do? You
5: adapt without dumbing it down and I adapt without having to feel like I have to go home and vent to my wife for three hours and yeah. Talk about how you adapt slowly.
4: Uh, we're going to pause for a second with the musical break and then come back. We're going to talk about adaption. We'll yeah. continue on the thread. Um, square Pizza. So let's go back to, or continue on the thought of um, adjustment of kind of you know educating a, uh, a a neighborhood that on how to to eat your food. What are some of the things that you? <laughs> oh my goodness! Such a up Can way I just to like
1: pipe up for it's the like people I'm serving here?
5: Serving matrix food or something.
4: First off, it's not. It, but it'd be like yes, it is, it is for that. But it'd be for any type of like new cuisine to open up in any area. It's She's not
1: serving like, pizza.
5: Exactly. Is it, okay, so if you're just serving pizza, what's the problem? Oh wow, that's the that's the business model question. I guess. <laughs> yeah, if, if I, you know, we bought the Polino sign. That's what's on the side of the restaurant. Okay. Oh, is
1: that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Pizza yeah. sign.
5: Um, so I mean, the question is that there is no question. You know, you have the the thing where people come in and get. It's it's a, a kind of a very similar to when we started when I was here. It's what we started. It takes a little bit of. It's a learning curve. It's in my opinion, it's not so much the style of food. It's the way that the food is. I think seasoned and presented, and
1: mm-hmm. the frame is important.
5: Yeah, and yeah. You're, you're trusting. You're trusting the person and the the restaurant's palate and like kind of what you're gonna get, especially in that situation. The pizza is as familiar as anything, but
1: mm-hmm. so like when somebody comes in and doesn't know what Faro is or soppressata, like right. how do you? I mean, you know, you have you have a few responsibilities as a chef or as a restaurant, right? Like you have the responsibility to be true to who you are as a creative person and write a menu that you feel passionate about. And you have a responsibility to also give the people what they want so that you can have a successful business. And yep. somewhere in the middle, you know, is I think where most successful restaurants live, right? <laughs> exactly, so yeah. um, how do you do what you need to do as a creative person and not be sort of pedantic about, or didactic perhaps about, you know, (laughs) because you know, you you do, you want them to go on that journey with you. Right. And you need to earn their trust to do that. So I mean,
5: Tuesday at 2 PM in Murray Hill, somebody comes along for the journey with me. It's like, they're your roll dog. Like that's a, that's a solid ass commitment. Right. I got really good advice a couple of years ago from this guy, Alan Phillips. He owns all the, you know, the pick a bagels.
1: Yeah. He owns all (laughs) those.
5: He used to own Cooper's coffee. Um, you know, and he said, he gave me creative. advice. I said, you know what, do what you do really well and then reap the benefits at home and be creative as you want. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you can draw that line of creativity to a certain extent, but when it's a detriment to your lifestyle and you're creating a future for yourself, you're really not being creative anymore. You're just being like a stubborn asshole. That's really all you're doing. Cause you're, you're, you're refusing to do something that you know you can do well mm-hmm. to provide for yourself and your family. And you don't ever want to dumb it down, and that would be something that would kind of, you know, in theory, break my heart. You have to make it. And this, I'm looking at it this way: I'm making it interesting for myself without making it too challenging for everybody else.
1: Yeah, you know what you're talking about is making me think of actually what a really good sommelier does in a way, because you know when a restaurant opens, and especially if they're opening in like midtown or uptown or something, they they open and they they open with oftentimes like a list that's really familiar to yeah. their big spenders. Right. And over time they earn the trust of their guests and then they start kind of sneaking in the, Sneak in the, the, the kooky stuff yeah. and, you know, and they have a relationship with a guest and they, they come in and they're like, well, if you really like this, you know, fucking big juicy cab sob, like you'll like this. And they start right. kind of, you know, leading them astray as it were into, you know, new territory, and that's how really interesting wine lists get made. And I always think that's really, like, an interesting part of the role of a sommelier. And so... um it's it's a cool thing to be able to do in that neighborhood. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a really interesting and noble challenge to go into a neighborhood that's like that, that is a little bit of a dying desert and say, you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to give the people what they want, but I'm going to like bring some other stuff to the table so that, because it's, you know, it's the old JFK adage, right? About like the rising tide,
4: And when raising it, and, all ships. And I think I agree with you. Like when it, when it works, right. um, people were going to be so loyal to that because it'll exactly. be like in such a neighborhood that like, it is not, it is not. I mean, opening up another pizza place in Brooklyn. No, no disrespect. It's like just it's like the path like well followed. Yeah, exactly. Doing yeah. it, doing any type of food in Murray Hill. Like yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Like, and you don't have to yeah. be calm about it. Angel
1: Ramos, like the yeah. he's, he's like the Robert Frost over here. But
4: my family and I and Jordan and too, we spent a lot of time in Murray Hill earlier this year when I was sick, and like there was not much up there to eat. And I know that even the doctors up there kind of had like weird places to eat to be able to send them or families to like a good meal out there like I, I do think
5: it does take on like a significance and does make does make a difference and it's the environment too you know it's, do i like i like like i love Roberta's because of the environment and right. i love the establishment and if you're going to list your favorite pizzas it's not going to be my top pizza but it's going to be my overall best experience close to my house and what I mm-hmm. like to do and hang out in and yeah. i do the wine list at the restaurant now like i did at the pines mm-hmm. so it's all natural biodynamic and there's it's the same thing you know i put it's all it's all really great stuff from you know zev's a really close friend of mine so it's a lot of stuff from zev and from jenny and francois and like you know Mm -hmm. it has all the hits on it and it's it's a list right now that you know all my my friends that don't you know like four horsemen guys and yeah shout out to four horsemen yeah that was there last night shout out to randy moon yeah it's it's, awesome
1: yeah it's cool and to your point greg you know when something like that is growing and you're nurturing it in the neighborhood, and it's really it's become sort of like a bulwark of, of a neighborhood. There's a real sense of ownership that that comes along with that yeah. experience of having a wonderful place in the neighborhood like that. And you, you see it here at Roberta's. It's like all of these people, you know, this is their place. They've been coming here since before Bushwick was right. what it is now, and so they've supported it all along and will continue to. And that's how you get that kind of like. That kind of organic yeah. growth and, and emotional ownership,
5: and it's owning. I think it's owning what you do, and that's one thing that I took away from the experience here with Carlo. Was you know try, sell, try selling sea urchin here five years ago? It was mm-hmm. weird. It was really weird for us to put that. I remember we had bone marrow here when this yeah. place opened, like with, right when we started doing the radio show, and there was bone marrow on this menu, and I was like, okay, yeah. this is great, weird but great. That's yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's you know. You sell one and sometimes when we were doing, you know, when Bain was doing the pies and thighs fried chicken here for a long time, you know, we'd sell 16 margarita pizzas and 40 chickens and that was lunch. And now it's, you know, you're, they're selling Frika and like cool for, like forms of spelt and rye berries and then moving into even, you know, cooler stuff and mad and great sashimi. It just builds and it builds and it builds, but sticking with it, it's too easy to fold and I think that's the thing. So you, mm-hmm. you can right. pull back so quick in an obvious way to where, even with the wine list, we, we pulled back a little bit and we noticed that the people are so used to just having things that are cheap and familiar without having anybody be like, I really like this and that's why we're selling it. Right. We're not just selling it because everybody else is force feeding it.
4: So I want to get one, one last question before we uh, before we let you get back to your, your day drinking, yes. but um, if so if I were to come in or not, even, not if I were to come in if someone like a local Murray Hiller were to come in, what meal would you construct for them? That would both be like educational and familiar that's currently on the menu. I,
5: I mean right now if you look at the menu I've, I have a, a very large past history of working in like Italian style New York restaurants and a lot of them are a lot of the dishes are representations of things from like lupa and dishes at Del Posto when I was doing the catering and just kind of stuff from here. And I would just go through... I mean, a lot of the dishes are very vegetable-heavy, so I would, you know, I would run through all the vegetable dishes and a lot of the house charcuterie, like the Iberico lardo and the mangalista stuff that we do and kind of like the copa de testas and the pastas and run through it. And I would leave out the pizza until the very end and kind of give them a smaller portion of that. And, I mean, Tantric
1: tasting menu.
5: Yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a set format to like regimental, but it would be... Tasting. Come at it
1: with the pizza at the end. <laughs> at the end you know, yeah. Really Just wow them.
5: Dessert then pizza. Why not? <laughs> right. um, Oops, so, pal, surprise.
4: Well, thanks for joining us. No worries, um, Thank you for having me, dude. Always. Um, tell
5: people where they can find uh, find you, find the restaurant, social media, etc. Corner of 25th Street and Third Avenue. 338 3rd Avenue, Murray Hill, New York. What what? Pop on the four five six. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. There's like
6: wires dangling this in the pizza t- pies. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a is good this, tempo? This is that you guys roll every, day?
0: You
6: really roll every day? Wow. It's amazing you guys aren't fat.
3: Everywhere
6: is somewhere, baby, so can't you see? Just means knowing nothing of where you've been or where you're going feels farther. You're a sight to see this early morning, getting lost in my own neighborhood. The same freedom you feel is what's been blowing. all, all, all. It's all, all, all. It's all, all. Or nothing. It's all. Saying yes in style Wondering the what might come my The direction. images Are slowly Won't be long Best just to gaze in days and fall To dream something familiar mm-hmm. It's all oh. What's
4: Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> I'm glad you guys like that. Strange names, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Hi. Hello. What's up? Nice to see you. Yeah, good to see you guys. How are you doing on this? Like, I feel like this is our first real hot Sunday of the of the summer.
2: It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. We love the hot weather. We all hate the cold, even though we're in, originally from Minnesota. Yeah, I was
4: gonna say like yeah. forgot. I mean, maybe that's why you're not from Minnesota. Maybe that's why you're from there and
2: now here. Right. We love everything about Minnesota except that part. It's yeah. A little frustrating. What's
4: uh? What do you? Is there anything you miss about like the Minnesota summer?
2: Uh Minnesota's the best place to be in the summer. Honestly, it's so gorgeous. There's green everywhere. I mean, there's green in New York City. You occasionally see green, <laughs> the rare bit of green, but. Minnesota is everywhere. You don't, it's don't have so to beautiful. seek it out at all. Yeah. Parks uh, uh, um, and lakes every two blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like your guys' origin
4: story from um, University of Minnesota surrounding um, bassists and drummers. Uh, can
2: you guys mind sharing that? Uh, uh, do you mean our, How you guys formed? Uh, oh. Um, well, it started off with... Uh, Liam and I had been playing with other bands, and when we got together, we sort of um, got a few musicians that we had been playing with. Um... Really not thinking that they were the best thing for the project, but, you know, they were guys we knew and liked. But Was, um, was it
4: Slim Pickings in Minnesota, or was it um, just... At
2: that point, it was because we weren't really part of any sort of clique. Um, we were just kind of making our own way, so we kind of went with what we knew and got some guys that we liked. Um, but eventually, as the music progressed and as our live set sound progressed we realized we need to get some uh we need to get some musicians that were more equipped to handle that kind of stuff. So that's where Fletcher came in. He actually approached us at one show and was like uh your set was good. Just uh, call me when you need an upgrade. <laughs> I mean, it's such like a good thing. I mean, but I also feel like finding a good
4: bassist uh and a good drummer is like probably like, not to say they're interchangeable and of course you're staying in the band at least you guys. Yeah, for yeah. now. Yeah, for now. Okay. Uh, for now, but like you're just like okay, like let me know when you guys are ready. Yeah. Oh, well. It was him. Oh. I was him. Oh, so, sorry. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> the guy holding the bass, I apologize. <laughs> uh, and then since the three of you guys kind of formed together, like, then did things kind of take off from there?
2: Um, Yeah, I suppose so. Um, We've kind of been experiencing, like, we didn't have, like, an overnight, like, blow up or something like that well, i basically. just
4: want to make sure that no, nothing on snacky tunes is like an overnight success it's yeah, like right, like right. long
2: fraught with like setbacks and hardships but like you know <laughs> it's like a long road yeah. of uh, tried and true trepidation but luckily for us um we haven't had too many like major setbacks it's just been like a slow climb a slow and steady climb which is kind of the way we prefer to work you know i guess
4: <laughs> um so what made you leave the sweet sweet bitter cold cold winters in minnesota to
2: bring you out to new york uh, gentrification really we just love it we're big fans no uh, oppor- <laughs> opportunity <laughs> it's opportunity I, knew New- I know New Yorkers will love to hear me say that there's opportunity out here but that's that's why we came what are some of the opportunities that you see here that you might not have found in uh, your hometown increased network I mean there's a lot of people there's um, music producers DJs radio hosts there's there's the works in Minneapolis um, there's just a lot more of them out here um <laughs> Who were some of the first people that you found uh, when you
4: came out here that you started to go like, yeah, we're like we made the right decision?
2: Well, um, we came out here after getting signed to French Kiss, um, thinking that we'd like to move out and be a little closer to the label um, as we uh, uh, our record comes along. Uh, we actually became very good friends with a lot of people at the label. It was sort of a built-in network when we uh, when we arrived, and through them, we met um, other people. Um, <laughs> What do you think, Liam? You gotta—you haven't said anything yet. This is Liam, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Um, Hi, Liam. Hi. Welcome to Second um, Tunes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I'm originally
7: from New York, uh, and I grew up in Brooklyn. And I uh, had some friends from my high school days that were still in bands, and we would occasionally uh, come from Minneapolis when we were still living there permanently, and like set up little bills here and there with some pals that I had had before. But I don't know. It's—it's it's been cool. Like you almost everyone bartends, so I feel like a lot of people that we know and
4: have met have been at bars. Yeah, it's, I feel behind like... Behind the bar. My first, <laughs> my first five years were local. I mean, you too, Jordana. You have a lot of bartending friends.
1: Uh, I have a lot of bartending friends, yeah. yeah. It yeah.
4: makes it, e- especially makes it easier when you're like, don't have a lot of money. Yeah, Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, well, why don't we hear a song? What are you guys going to play first? We're going to play a song called Ricochet. Alright, uh, here we go live on Tunes. sounds great. That was a good move. That was a Did, professional move. The chord definitely fell out and you got it right back, like, not a second too soon.
1: Did I hear a Barada lyric?
4: A uh, piranha.
1: Oh, it damn. It should be burrata.
4: We are in a pizza place. I was
1: really hoping it was about Barada. I got really excited. Did you see me look at you? And I was like, yeah, look at that. Yeah, Jeez. people
7: can never understand that lyric. Yeah. <laughs> Someone thought that our, someone thought that it was flight to Rwanda. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: Publicist. I guess
7: yeah. It
1: kind of like classic to, to social mess message. Did you hear <laughs> yeah. or burrata? Yeah, we
4: where just you want a vacation there. Wherever you are in your life. <laughs> um, let's talk about the the new record. Um, what was the decision to re-record it once you moved here?
7: Um, we, it was just not. I mean, we're all kind of perfectionists. It just wasn't quite up to par with what we had envisioned. We wanted something, uh, just. Uh, I don't know, we we just knew that we needed a rebirth, totally. So we knew we were coming here, we knew we had uh, increased resources because uh we had recorded it before we had been signed or anything so we came here with uh extra help and we knew that we could achieve more with that and uh use different instruments do a better facility not not the facility that we recorded in minneapolis was bad it was just not uh, fulfilling what we had envisioned
4: and uh so wait so did you get signed on the old record or the or the re-recording
7: um, the old, the old record, okay. and then, and they had also encouraged us to re-record it. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it
4: was mostly our decision, but they were like into it. Oh, how did, was that? Like, I mean, if you guys wanted to, you don't have to, but if you wanted to, you absolutely. Yeah, that's a good. And, and what are some of the, and I know it's instrumentation, but uh, I mean, uh, I know you had producers involved, you know, did they, they help you kind of explore like a deeper? or going back a complete second time, like what did you maybe learn about the song meetings or the structure of the songs, or what kind of like understanding did you gain from uh, doing it a second time?
7: Well, we were mostly doing it ourselves the first time. So it was a really nice opportunity to have an objective point of view in the room, in the creative process with us the entire time. And we worked with this guy, Andrew Mari, who is so great, and it was pretty much just ESP. We didn't really even have to communicate notes to each other. We just
4: gave each other, like, we just grilled each other until the ideas just sprouted, <laughs> glares. What's, what were some of the questions that he asked you to kind of get to know you guys? Uh, just, like,
7: exchanging, like, YouTube clips. I feel like when we were just kind of courting each other, uh, it was just kind of like,
4: oh, yeah, like, I like this, and I like this. Do you remember, like, which one you guys sent or he sent that was, like, like the, unlocked the whole, oh, broke everything open?
2: There was a video of, of chairlift doing one of their songs that in Japanese, uh, yeah, she learned her songs in, or her one of her songs in Japanese and did a video yeah. and then it. yeah, and then this a couple of b52 songs and then
4: you're like, yes, yeah, yeah you shall like, produce that the joy
7: <laughs> we can just see the joy envision it
4: and you know was the process I mean I'm, you know birthing something I think is, is such an intimate thing, having already you know kind of laid the, the framework, did you feel that it was maybe easier the second time or was it more difficult because you thought there was more writing on it?
7: Uh, I mean it, I thought I think it was a lot easier just because we was it was comfy. I mean this room had couches, this room had it was just like a lot it was a lot more accommodating. It was just broken,
4: was just broken chairs on the first one, just
7: like glass everywhere. Yeah, we just we just sat on sticks. <laughs> um, no, this was uh it was great and uh at times it felt I guess monotonous because we were re- just revisiting material that we had already uh, committed ourselves to for so long because a lot of these songs were written three years ago and some of them were written five minutes ago. So it was, uh, I guess, just a, a roller
4: coaster of excitement. Okay, ups uh, and downs. And I know you guys just came back from a week tour with Azalea Banks. How was that? Awesome. It was crazy. Where did you guys go?
7: Uh, we went to Chicago and Boston, and we and then we played Irving Plaza with her here. And uh, oh, actually, a lot of downtime. It was mostly just us hanging out. We. Everyone on the crew decided that we all needed a vacation after two shows, which is kind of amazing. So we all just drove overnight from Chicago to Niagara Falls and spent,
4: like, three days in Niagara Falls. That's amazing. Uh, I was my first time at Niagara Falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you cross over to the Canadian side or just...
2: Uh... I did. Yeah, I- you did? I-, I don't have a valid ID save for my passport, so I thought that that was the one situation in which that would, like, be an advantage. Yeah, but you just, like, walked over. <laughs> yeah, no one just, even checked I- you. Yeah, I just walked over <laughs>
4: That's, crazy. Oh, so that's how you get in back and forth. So, so that's, that's how uh, you got like,
2: like pounds care. of weed. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> or did you? Yeah, who knows? Isn't who knows? that side of the
2: falls
7: like there's like lots of like crime and like crazy? It's just like total craziness. Like, like, like that's like,
4: like the wrong side of the falls. Isn't <laughs> the wrong it? side yeah. of, no, the, of the falls. Oh, he's on the wrong side of the falls. You don't want <laughs> to. Gotta yeah, stay okay. in America. Yeah. Um, why don't we hear another, another song? Cool. What are you guys going to play? A ballad we like to call Where and
2: Why. Out of
8: line, ooh, out of source, out of time, ooh, 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 Private eye, how oh, do you know? In store. I wanna see the boy alone I wanna see the boy alone history that you can roll on the fence and in the window cyclone you look like that you lens like the rest but you you look like that you lens like the rest I didn't
4: Fantastic. Jordani looks speechless. For the first time that I've ever known, he looks speechless.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. D-
4: just I, was, like a- I was
1: actually looking for a cheese joke in there. Yeah, as well.
4: <laughs> did you say Romesco in that? I, I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I don't want to say I misheard it. Um, so what does uh, what is, uh, Brooklyn Summer have in store for you guys?
7: Um, we're kind of we're going back to our hometown of Minneapolis. And Can't miss the
4: summer. Because you can't miss the summer. Yeah, we can't miss the summer there.
7: No, it's going to be really fun. It's the first time we'll have played there in a year. Um, And... Uh, we're just excited to see everyone and kind of do that. So we'll be there for a week. And we're playing a couple shows there, kind of homecoming, faux record releasey kind of things. And, it doesn't have um,
4: to be faux. It's like <laughs> just a pro- it's just a little bit, a little bit after. We're the Fab Faux, though, you know. Oh. Just kidding. No, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Uh, you want to write punch up for us for the radio show?
1: <laughs> we definitely love a good pun in here. Yeah, yeah.
4: Francis used to write fortune cookies for his really? sure income, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. Can we get a couple of those? Do you remember any? Uh,
2: they were all really bad. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, wait, did you do
1: this for sport or was it just or was for sport. it
2: was it your job? <laughs> Extra
4: like, income?
2: Y- yeah, I entered a pun competition. Um, you had to you had to put uh, forth ten uh, different jokes, and you know they choose a winner. And I really thought one of mine would take it, but no pun intended. Oh wow! wow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Classic. I mean, you had us like, like oh, it's a good story. Oh, no, uh, just a long setup. Wait, yeah. so um, do you remember any of your fortune cookies at all?
2: Uh, one one was, they were all really, uh, it was like we worked at a really high-end restaurant, and I would write these cookies for them. They still passed out fortune cookies. I don't know. They're really high-end. But um, What was the restaurant? It, it was called, like, World Street Kitchen. Well, it was, like, fast, casual, but the food was, like brain food, if that makes any sense. It wasn't brains. Yeah, but, no, we got... yeah. But uh, one of them was like, ask about our pizza special, so I'd have people coming up to me with their fortunes like, what, what's the pizza special? I'd be like, there's no pizza, you idiot. And oh, I, I got got it. To, so these were both. these were mostly just, I would write the fortune cookies to... As, as setups for myself for okay. my own jokes <laughs> After so essentially after they paid then you could just start fucking with the customer <laughs> he was exactly. yeah. his own hype man uh, so you uh, lasted
4: how long? <laughs> um, long time I was there for 18 years 18 years of my life um, well um, I want to make sure we get one more song in but where can people get the record where can people find you and any summer Brooklyn shows here?
7: Um, yeah I mean we'll, we're going to announce a bunch of dates soon um, which we're not at liberty to discuss yet is that
4: Paul's doing? Uh, you know, yeah, a little bit. But way, a certain... By the way, Paul said you guys were sexy and charming, and he was right.
3: Oh, yeah, you.
4: Sid on the other hand had nothing nice to say.
3: <laughs>
7: <laughs> they're they're just dear dear men. Yeah, they're good men. Um, no, yeah, we're gonna announce some stuff soon. And until uh, then, you, yeah, you can buy our record on all the main outlets, iTunes etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. you can stream it and then I there's they sell it at rough trade in uh, New York they sell it at rough trade and other music and all those really cool record stores and stuff okay strange cool. names use your time wise mm-hmm.
4: uh, well I want to thank Angela Romano for coming by and making us definitely go to Murray Hill this this time we'll go right
1: oh we're gonna go together yeah yeah we'll go after uh, something yeah fun or nothing we
4: we'll just do nothing then go um, or that could be the thing that we do Shout it out could to be my thing
1: in and of itself.
4: Shout out to my uh, special co host Jordana Rothman and all the feelings that we saw today at yeah. Inside Out. And uh, big shout out to uh, Berlin Summer, which I'll be heading to next weekend. And to Darren and uh, Anna who are listening in for their one week of happy nesting hood. And Yours Joe
1: dear to us as a cheese plate.
4: Yeah, and then uh, we'll be off the next couple of weeks, and then Darren will be back. So how anticlimactic <laughs> like, is that one?
1: Well, yeah. It was fun while last yeah. year.
4: Well, no, then he'll be back. <laughs> uh, it'll be a light snacky tune somewhere. That's okay.
3: Okay.
1: We
4: have some things to sort out. Um, anyway, Strange Things, uh, thanks for uh, playing here today. What, what's the last song? Last
2: song is called I Can't Control Myself.
8: You. Once in a while, you make the wrong impression. Once in a while, you break in my heart. And I've been walking my to tag along with you, Shadow. Sit so down, keep solid. Just gonna keep on calling for you. Don't run away. Just stay a while. I'm gonna need your help. Is the new survival? But I gotta find my feet. Cause I can't control myself. You should think about your future. Cause messing up, yeah, is so hard to redeem And you should maybe be my teacher. Oh, cause otherwise, I ain't joining that team. No. Wrong impression, yeah. Once in a while, you're breaking my heart, and i been walking my to tag along with your shadow. So don't keep stalling, I'm just gonna keep on following.